what's good, what it is, what it do, how y'all doing? This is the Role Player Podcast presented to you by the good folks at Switch Cultures. I am Jordan Taylor, 12-year pro, EuroLeague vet rolling with the multi-talented Stanford gentleman, retired 11-year pro, and Switch Cultures co-founder, the one and only Anthony Goods. What's good, man? What's happening? It's been a minute. Been on a little hiatus. Man, I don't think I got my hair cut since the last one, man. You either, though. You, you, either. I, you know what? But that's the difference between me and you. I'll go outside and I'll face the cold. You got the hat on trying to hide. You know what I'm saying? I ain't scared that's of nothing. Right. That's crazy, uh, man. Because I got a reputation in Yeah, I got, you know, I, that is, yeah, I got that, a reputation that's in my repu- You live in clean. My reputation is I'm a real one. I ain't scared of nothing. No backlash or nothing, man. It's, it's yeah, right. <laughs> like that. <laughs> make sure, before I forget, make sure y'all go follow along. On, or follow us on all social media. That's YouTube, IG, TikTok, and Twitter with the handle at Role Player Media, and on Swiss Culture's YouTube page. And you can check us out on Spotify and Apple Music or anywhere else you get your podcast. We got a very special guest with us today, uh, Young Blood from from Minneapolis. Looked like he ain't had a haircut in in a good couple years. You know what I'm saying? But that's a new hairstyle these days, man. That's that's the swag, man. But before we jump into it, he was the second round pick. 33rd overall by the hometown team, Minnesota Timberwolves, but then traded, correct, to the Los Angeles Clippers on draft night. Spent some time with the Clippers, also with the Toronto Raptors, and now currently of Anadolu Ephes of the Euro League and doing his thing out here in Europe in just his first season. The one and only Dan Oturu. What's good with you, man? What's good, y'all? Appreciate y'all having me on. No doubt, man. We're excited to have you here. We we crack jokes, so don't take no offense. This ain't for this ain't for the sensitive. You know what I'm saying? Good's going to. Nah. But I finally I finally got a Minneapolis uh, uh, prestigious Minneapolis Hooper on the pod it's with all, us. It's only it's only about five of y'all. It's no, you see you <laughs> see you see how he gets started. It's only about five so of y'all. Before, it's only about prestigious, prestigious it's only about draft y'all. pick. Prestigious draft right. pick. Y'all Dan, tell tell him what five. you are. Draft pick. It's about five. Exactly. It's five of y'all. It's five <laughs> see, of you see how he do. You see how he do. Nah, there's definitely more than five. There's definitely more than five of us. Talk sure. to him. Talk to him. <laughs> Dan, before we get into into the you know the meat and potatoes of what we're gonna talk about, this man swears that Minnesota don't got no hoopers just because he from yeah, I got, yeah, he yeah, I got no hoopers I ain't got no black you people so, <laughs> <laughs> Minneapolis we ain't got no black people that's that's facts yeah, I ain't got no black people and, and all the, all the, that's, all, that's all I need to know y'all got a whole bunch of snow y'all got like the world's largest airport all the all the black um, people got mixed up with the snow don't forget the world the second right. largest uh uh mall in North America, maybe the first largest one. Right. I can't remember. I don't know what it is, but it was for a minute. It was for yeah, a minute. Which, which, but anyway, he thinks because he's from Southern California that he gets to claim everybody in Southern California is really a diluted concept. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Hey man, we got we got Matt Hooper. We got we probably got like you said five Hoopers. We probably got like five NBA players currently right now. Tell them. And that's just in the NBA. Tell them. Talk to the other uh, places people hooping at in Europe. Uh-huh. We got, we got some squad. Uh-huh. Like, we can put a real squad together. Uh-huh. Bring your best five. We'll bring our best five. No, we can't do that, Dan. We can't do that. We got. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we got. Yeah, Nah, but because he one, he gonna bring out the whole state of California. That's what he gonna do. So you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't even gotta do that. I ain't even gotta do that at this point. But yeah, at this point, I ain't even gotta do that. I can just stay in the IE now. I don't even have to go to LA. I can just stay in my neighborhood now. I was looking right now. Who can I eat Kawhi? Yeah. We got Kawhi. We got the ball, brother. Kawhi don't play basketball. Got, Lonzo uh, don't play basketball. We got uh <laughs> we got Big O over there in uh Atlanta. Oh, Big O. Okay. Yeah, we got Big O in Atlanta. Uh Onyeka. Yeah. Great, good big, good big. Oh, we got the Mobley brothers. It's over. The Mobley Who? brothers. Who? <laughs> Who? <laughs> they from the IE. They from the Lake County. Nah, they from the IE. They from the IE. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, California do got. They always get. They always have hoopers. Though. Okay. Thirty million people. You supposed to do something? Damn. Yeah, fact. Got a small country over there. But anyway, right. man, let's jump. Let's jump into it, man. Speaking of that, you doing your thing as a, one of one of the Minnesota Hoopers doing really well. First year overseas. Not a lot of people make the noise that you are making. Uh, can't think of too many people playing Euroleague 
Obviously, you signed in. How, how you pronounce the team? Merka, Merka, the first team you signed Merkezefendi. 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 Culture. Culture, brother. You see him? The culture, brother. Now, now you, you, know I mean? you know good and damn well you couldn't pronounce that back in July when you signed. What are you talking about? Where am I going? Yo, where is, where is KB sending me, man? But... <laughs> Nah, but <laughs> but real shit, man. I, I can't really. I can't think of a lot of dudes who you know make the Euro League jump at all in their first season, and then on top of that, make the noise that you're making. So shout out to you for that. But for the people yeah, that don't know, kind of discuss the buyout process. You sign with the first team, which is not a Euro League team, and then we're bought out by FS, which is uh, three time or two. How many Euro League championships they got in the past couple of years? Two, right? They won back, back. They went back, back to back, to back but should have won. In the, they were first in the COVID year. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Realistically, yeah. I was actually just talking about this yesterday. Like, this team, like, low-key, like, they lost in the final in 2019. And then, like, in the COVID year, they had, like, one loss at the end of, like, when the season stopped. Mm-hmm. It was it was tearing up the year league. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until after COVID when they won back to back. So they really could have ended up with, like, four straight. Yep. Possibly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But like there was there was turn there was turn for a long time. But the buyout process, yeah, like you said, like I signed with um like Marquez Denisley Marquez Vendi in July and I had a buyout clause in my contract. It was for like eighty K. But it was only towards a um like Euro League team could buy me out. And so like basically just like the season got underway, like I came out here, we had preseason um season started and it wasn't until like probably I only played I didn't even play 10 games with my first team it was probably like eight or nine when I got you know on the phone with my agent KB like you mentioned and um some of my like other agents that represent me out here as well um and they were just like you know FS wants to buy you out and bring you on to the team it was I was like, dang, like, it was crazy because I was just like, I didn't really know much about European basketball, honestly. Like, growing up, like, like, like you know, you got, y'all know, like, we're all from the States, you know, like, we grew up watching, like, you know, NBA and just seeing all, like, the, the high-level pros back home. And so, like, that was always the goal, to play in the NBA at the highest level. But, like, I never, like, knew really too much about European basketball until I got out here and I was really just, like, you know, studying up on players and, like, studying up on the EuroLeague and what the EuroLeague was and all that. And so, like, for it to be so, like, I like, technically only played, like, two months of basketball with my first team before I even came up up uh, to the EuroLeague level with FS. So it was, it was it was a pretty surreal moment. It was nice. It was, it was, you know, like, I didn't really know how to feel. I just was thankful because, you know, like, it's been like a, I left school in 2020, and so it's it's been like a up and down, you know, path so far. In my my early start to my career, you know, I think it's only my fourth year, but um, just things haven't gone the way I wanted them to go for myself previously, and so just like for something like this to happen and um, uh, you know start seeing things turn in my favor, you know, it just made me really thankful. So yeah. What were what were some of the ups and downs um, that you had previously gone through? Yeah, so like basically, like I got I left school and I came out of school twenty twenty COVID year. You know, like not only myself, but like that whole year was tough for everybody. I feel like you know just with COVID and the lockdowns and the restrictions on being able to like just live everyday life, and so like <clears throat> they basically like. Um, I didn't get to play basketball for like an entire year, pretty much. Like, I left school in 2020. I got drafted in November of 2020, like the draft normally in July or I mean June. We didn't get drafted to um 2020. By the way, four Minnesotans were drafted in that same draft class. Huh? Just like four. Huh? Yeah. Four. <laughs> yeah. Four. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, and, and I came to a team 
um, in L.A. that was just coming off. You know, they just signed um, the year prior. They just signed Kawhi and PG, you know, a team with big expectations, you know, to do well in the, um, you know, the postseason. And so um, that whole year was, was it was a lot of fun. Like, um, it was my first year in the league. I'm surrounded by all these, like, you know, people that I grew up watching. I grew up watching PG, grew up watching um, Pat Bev, Kawhi, Lou Will, like all these type of guys. So it's just like every day was kind of just awesome just being around those type of players, you know, high level elite talents. And just like for myself, just trying to like take bits and pieces from them each and every day and just watch them and see how like what, you know, obviously they're skilled and greatly like have great abilities, but just also seeing like how they even move them, how they move around, you know, how they move, what makes them 10, 11 year NBA pros, you know, besides what they're able to do on the floor. And, you know, like, so in that type of situation, it was awesome. You know, I got um, sent down to, at the time they were doing a Gilly bubble. So like I got sent down to the Gilly bubble for assignment, you know, cause I've like, probably like two months into the season, I wasn't playing at all. And like, which made sense. Like our team was loaded, like super loaded, like at every position, literally. And so we even signed DeMarcus Cousins and Serge Ibaka. So like Serge Ibaka playing uh, Bayern Munich now, but like even at the time it was just like, we had so many, we had so many good bigs, so many good wings, so many good guards, you know what I'm saying? Even my teammate who got jacked with me that year, like we both were just like, <laughs> you know, it's tough, you know? Um, but we understood what was going on, you know? Like it was never like about complaining about not playing or not, or feeling like I deserve to play or not like that. Like it was just, I felt like it was more just like, it's my first year. So I need to like, obviously work as hard as I can and just, you know, take in as much information as I can from all these guys, you know, because they've been doing it for so long. And then, so I got to, I got to the G League bubble. I wasn't even able to play a game in the G League bubble because I tore my quad in practice. One of my one of our practices the week I was down there, when I first got down there. So I was out for like maybe two months. I came back, you know, and then I played like, like the last like regular season game finally, versus Oklahoma City. And um, that game uh, was, like, the first, like, actual basketball game I've played since college, like, where I played extended minutes more than 15. Like, I never, like, I got in games, obviously, throughout the year, I'd get in at the end of the games when we were either up by a lot or down by a lot. But, like, that OKC game was the first game I played since – like my last game at the University of Minnesota. So like Coach T. Uh, Lou threw me in there. I played like 40 minutes, something crazy like that. I was dead tired. <laughs> like after like like the first two minutes up and down, I was cooked. <laughs> and it was like, it wasn't even like I wasn't doing anything. Like I was working out every day, just doing the normal stuff. It was just like, I was even playing like, we would play um, stay ready games all the time too. But I just, just like, I've, you guys know this, like, for sure. Like, it's always, like, it's different doing stay-ready games versus the actual game. And so, like, I was dead tired. I shot the ball, like, 20 times. Coach was like, just go out there and shoot it. Go who? <laughs> Do whatever. I'm like, bet. You don't got to tell me twice. Shot the ball. Well, I shot terribly, too. I probably shot, like, five I think I like five or 20 or something like that just chucking <laughs> I really didn't care because I was just like I mean this is my first game like my first actual NBA game I'm actually getting to play like I'm out here just trying to have fun we ended up losing I think or winning I don't even remember if we won or lost I think we lost but yeah after that um pretty much summer came or playoffs came we lost in the conference finals that year uh, I think Kawhi tore his ACL. That year, we would have won the NBA Finals. I still believe it to this day. We were the best team that year. Unfortunate injury, an unfortunate timing of it, because we lost to the Suns, and we killed the Suns every game we played them that entire irregular season, like smacked them. 
and like you know they ended up going to the finals but like I feel like we could have beat the Bucks and all that for sure but um and then pretty much just like where I feel like it all started like you know like just being weird was I I had summer league that year for the first time because the year that I got drafted we didn't have summer league because of obviously COVID and all that and then summer league was kind of just like I don't know we drafted three guards that year and obviously I'm a big but like we drafted three great guards you know like I think um you know we drafted Brandon Boston Jason Preston and um, Keon Johnson, like those guys, super talented players. Honestly, you know, Brandon Boston, I feel like should deserve has deserves. He like he shows out when he plays. If y'all ever he's like, tough. He, yeah, he's tough. He probably, he from California, ain't he? No, no, he not. No, no, he from Minnesota. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's tough, man. He's tough. No, he's it's the presses the same way too. Keon, all them guys is. We drafted, so they, we had a great, they drafted three great guards that year. And then, um, uh, I think I didn't, I didn't have the best summer on top of my teammate who got drafted with me the year prior, Jay Scrub. If y'all ever heard of him, Jay Scrub, super talented as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, I didn't have that great of a summer league, you know, just like, I was still trying to get used to the system, you know, the, the coaches just trying to have me play a certain way, um. I was still trying to learn so much, so fast, you know? And, like, I feel like in the NBA, things move like this. You don't really got time to, like, just, like, you know, like, let me try to process everything. And so I ended up getting traded after Summer League. I got traded to Memphis. And then Memphis, when I got traded there, like, had, I think, 17 or 18 guys on a roster. You know, like, only 15 max you can have. So... I was one of the guys they didn't end up keeping. I didn't even go to training camp with them or anything like that. And so, like, I ended up going to training camp with the Bulls, and I got cut. And then I played, started this, that season, which was my second year in the G League with the Windy City Bulls. And everything was cool. Like, you know, I was playing. I was playing in the G. I was actually playing. And so, like, I was playing a four and a five. You know, I was actually, I felt like I was the first time since I left school where I was in a place where I was actually learning a system and learning how to play the game just the way, like, you know, it's being played in the NBA. And so, like, uh, I had a great coach, some great coaching staff in the G League with Windy City, um, Henry, Henry Dormersant. And so... After, like, the first couple months of the the G League season, I got a 10-day from Toronto. Went to Toronto. I was there for, like, 10 days. It was, it was like, more of, like, a, you know, because was, that was the second year of COVID, and, you know, they had all these, like, you know, if you get COVID, like, you got to sit out for whatever X amount of time. So, like, their roster was depleted by COVID like crazy. They probably had, like, two guys or three guys that were – contract guys that were able to play so like they signed a bunch of 10 days and stuff like that so there was a bunch of us and so like I played a little bit it was it was cool like the first game we played it on a road versus Cleveland got smacked then we lost by like 50 something <laughs> crazy it was OD I was like what the hell and like so yeah it was cool so then basically just like I came back to the G um it was like, it was cool. I wasn't playing as much as I as I was when I first came back, and I feel like that was just like more credited towards just like more external things not related to basketball. Just more of just like, you know, I felt like in my mind I was feeling like, oh, like I deserve more opportunities. Um, but yeah, basically what I was saying was just like I was in a, I felt like I was in a spot where I wasn't playing a lot. You know, like, and I was always felt, I always felt like myself, like I was blaming everybody else but me. And it took me, like, it took me, a, like, that whole, after my first year in the G, it took me that, like, summer of, like, understanding, like, what I was doing that wasn't, that was affecting my, like, 
basketball career, you know? And so, like, I took a lot of internal searching and internal, like, like looking myself in the mirror pretty much and just understanding that, like, at the end of the day, like, nothing's ever going to be given to you, you know? You just got to go take what you feel like you deserve. And what so, you think? What you think was, like, because I feel like a lot of times, like, especially, like, at, at down points in our career, we're not producing, you know, how we want to or how we think we should. What do you yeah. think was stopping you from producing the way you wanted to? I think my attitude and just, like, my mental, like, my mental, like, space, just, under, like, because, like, you know, in the D, like, you're dealing with so many, like, like, if you're just a standardized G League player, you know, like you're you're dealing with like assignment guys, two way mm-hmm. guys, all type of stuff. So like when two ways and assignments would come down, you know, it's just like and I'm not playing that much. In my mind I'm sitting there like it doesn't make sense on why I'm not playing, like I'm better than him, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I should be playing. But then like you think about it, it's like, well, you're not going to play over this. It's just like the NBA. Like, if a guy's making five mil versus a guy's making 10 mil, like, they're going to pay the 10, they're going to play the 10 mil guy more because they're paying him more money, you know? And that's all stuff I didn't understand. I, like, even, like, dating back to my days in LA, when I think about all this, it's just like, I thought everything was just basketball. You know, it's not, it's way deeper than just basketball. It's, it's actually pretty political. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like like I said, like it was just more just like I was blaming everybody else. Like it don't make sense why I'm not playing. Like I show out in practice. I do what coach asks, this, that, the third. And so like with that mindset, it just created like a bad like attitude for myself, like kind of like a dark cloud over me. I wasn't like the same person or like the same individual even outside of basketball like I was always angry I was always mad and then like um it got to a point where like that summer after my first year in the G like you know I didn't even get invited to come play summer league with the Bulls like I played the G normally like they bring like four or five guys from the G team they didn't bring me so I ended up going with Orlando and I didn't play at all that summer league that was so like that even like added on to like how I was feeling that whole spring summer type deal and then it wasn't until I came back for another year with Windy City when it was just when I felt like like a switch like flip you know like I came in and I accepted like whatever role coach gave me you know like it don't matter if I don't play 10 games in a row or if I play all the games you know like I just told myself that I'm just gonna stay true to myself and be who I am and be who my parents raised me to be and just continue to work and, you know, whenever my name is called, just go out and do what I can do to help our team. And so I really attribute, like, that second year of my of me playing with Windy City a lot to, like, the point where I'm at right now because, like, it really, like, put, it put me through the test of, like, understanding, like, is basketball really what you want to do or not, you know? Like, there's always going to be these, it's never like this. And it's always going to be like this, you know? And how, you, how like, I deal with it. Everybody, know, like, all hoopers, I feel like, know that. But it's how you deal with all this. So it helps you. And so, like, I'm still learning. Personally, like, I'm not anywhere close to where I feel like I am. Like, I want to be. And I know I have, a, like, a super long way to go. Like, I mean, I'm only 24 years old. So, like... There's still, like, so much for me to learn. But um, I feel like I've gone through a lot so far. And just trying to understand what I've gone through and learn from it, I feel like it's super important for me to continue to trend upwards. No doubt. No doubt. That's a – well, listen, one thing, if you don't – you know, whenever basketball does fail, you got a future as a pastor, my brother. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? At the very least. But, but no, man, that's dope. That, that's uh, – that's, uh, we, we pride ourselves in trying to, you know, make sure everybody's story is heard and uh, just for the simple fact, like you said, to pass it down to, to anybody, any hooper that's listening could take something from it. But have you, you talked about the politics, have you experienced the politics of Europe yet? And is there any, have you, have you experienced the politics of Europe yet? 
Dude, like, honestly, like, what's this? It's, what is it? January 20th. I, I haven't even been out here for six months. <laughs> so I really don't like, like, my, like, like, okay, so, like, when I first got to Marquez Fendi, like, I experienced no politics mm. there because, like, I'm, like, I came in and I was just like, it's my shit. So it's just like, I gotta, like, if I wanna be the guy, I gotta show out and be the guy, you know? Mm. And so, like, the guy that they brought me in to be. And so, like, the first, like, the the time I was there, you know, like, I was always the one getting the ball. I was always the one, you know, like, the offense was running through. So, like, I, there was never any complaints about, like, anything other than just, like, just who, you know? And then, like, here at FS, I don't feel like I have felt any, like, politics or anything like that yet. Just simply, just, like, even before I got out here, like, my coach now called me and, like, we talked and, we you know, he was just like, this is the role that I want you to play for our team. Like, he outlined what he wants from me right away. And it, I feel like it's been very consistent with what we were talking about even before I played my first game. And so, like, I don't know. Well, I guess, I guess we're going to have to see for sure. Yeah. That seems to be kind of like a trend, which I think is dope of EuroLeague, is you have these uh, you have these coaches coming in and cultures are kind of shifted where you have Erdem. Uh, I played against Erdem last year in EuroCup. And Chan, right? How do you yeah, pronounce it? Chan, right? Chan. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard one of the things he's good at is kind of outlining exactly what it is, what's expected from guys, where in the past it's kind of like you better come in here and the, the goalposts would move specifically for Americans. And our goods can attest to this too. But one one thing that I always thought was tougher, specifically about playing Euroleague, was that you have somewhat of the hierarchy that you mentioned. But the hierarchy in Europe is everybody has egos. But for us Americans, the egos aren't really justified in your brain. You kind of you almost have to make them justified to yourselves. It's like if you go play in the NBA and you're going with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's like all right, like. You know, you almost kiss the ring in a sense because that's what you know. But you go play with, uh, uh, he's not there, but, you know, Vasily Micic in Ephes, you not, he gets the same treatment, but you're not looking at him like Paul George. You're looking at him like, I'm every bit just as good as this dude. He just, I mean, I get it. He's the man. So to me, that's kind of the, that's the difficulties of playing European basketball. And to me, the hardest thing to grasp about it's not the talent thing it's really about the the that's the hardest mental adjustment to make aside from being away from your family of course i, I think i think it's an advantage though like you know cats coming from coming from the states and when they come to europe it's like you don't know anybody so you don't know to give anybody respect mm-hmm. like you just out there like i'm just about to come out here i'm doing whatever like you don't know you don't know that nigel is a great defender you don't you looking at him like you would look at like anybody else like bro i don't know you you don't know me until like you know what i mean and i feel like that's the mentality when you lead the states and like I had the same mentality until I ran into Bo McKellar, and then I was like, "All right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like there are some dogs." Are you out here. Are, like, are you familiar with Bo McKellar, Dan? No, I don't. But I, I feel like I have a similar story to what you're about to say. So, but, so, but yeah, before you go, just because he mentioned Bo McKellar, I played my second game ever in Europe as a preseason game, and I was in Rome against Bo McKellar. He was in Fenerbahce. And we lost by like three or four. We had a good team my first year in Rome. We had guys like Gigi Datome, Ghani Lawal, Bobby Jones. Like, so we had we had a little squad. But to Ann's point, I'm coming out like thinking like, who the fuck is Bo McKayla? Like, I'm about to I'm about to murder this dude. Like, me and dude ain't shit. Like, it's still a preseason game. So I, you know, I did my thing. He did his thing too. But to your point, it's an advantage. It is an advantage in that sense. So it's like and. Coaches talking about don't attack this dude. They said that with Brian Randall. I remember my Israeli coach talking about don't attack Brian Randall. I went right at Brian Randall. First chance I got, like, he's mad as shit. He smacked my shit into the first row. But <laughs> I, I went at him again, got an and one, though. But anyway, so, yeah, that it is an advantage until it's not. There's a certain line that you can't cross, though, you know what I'm saying, with that ignorance. But anyway, t- yeah, what, what, was your, what was your experience with that then? Nah, like, that's literally, like, one of my first ever experiences with, like, my my first coach. We had a preseason game versus um, uh, Peckham Sport. I don't know if we got mm-hmm. yeah, Peckham Sport. 
they got a big on their team. Is uh, his name is Jeremy Simmons. I don't know mm-hmm. if y'all know him, mm-hmm. but Jeremy Simmons, ball head. They were talking about him like, like dude was like a robot, like <laughs> OD. Like it was, it was, it was eating up. So I'm sitting there like, who? I don't know him. Like I'm finna fry him. That's like, it's just, it's, just, it's up for him. It's, I'm sorry, but I gotta kill you. <laughs> and like, they was talking about one thing. One of my coaches was saying was like, when we get. Because um, Peck came, they played a little bit of switch defense with him, like one through five or whatever. And then, like, they were telling the guards, don't attack him if he switches on to you. Just move the ball. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, if you get in the post with him, just don't post him up, uphill up, up DHO. I'm like, don't post him up? What? <laughs> That's right. So I, like, third possession into the game, I get the ball, He po- I'm posting him up. I bump him. Dude does not move. I'm like, wait a second. Bump him again. Not moving. I turn around, try to fade. Smack my shit out. Well, that was loud. But smack my shit, bro. I was like, damn. Okay. I was just like, okay, now it makes sense on why they were saying all the things about him. Because he was like, he's super athletic, super strong, can move. And I think he's a really great player, and I never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, um, yeah, that, it's funny you brought that up because I'm I've had something like that, literally just like that. Yeah. It's like you're just thinking about just go kill, and it's like, oh, okay, wait. They, yeah. So wake up, call. It's just not. They, they told me that, and I think too. Go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just gonna say, man, it's just. Uh, there's just so much about the European game you don't know, but you think, oh, it's just basketball. Like, nah, it's 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 different. It's different across the waters. Like, you know what I mean? And it, it's a new style. There's new there's new players. There's new schemes. Like, everything, man. There's a lot of adjustment that American players have to make, you know, in coming overseas. They, I, was, I was told Bo McCaleb was the was like D Rose when I first got over here, so that just sent me all the way off. I said, "Hey, man, we not doing that." Like, <laughs> we not, but Bo McCaleb is nice, but I said, "Y'all going too far with that? Y'all are going way too they fucking far way too with that." Far, but bro, excuse my language, far. y'all going way too far with that. But one thing I think though, to your point, is like the I think that's probably the next step of evolution. That to me is kind of the as an American player with the talent, when you do unlock um, the side of the game where you don't take everything necessarily as a challenge and take it more as advice. Cause you know, it's like you look my age and I'm 34 and I look back on those times like, you know, they're saying don't attack Brian Randall. And we take it as, it's like, Oh, you challenge, you don't think I'm good enough to attack, but in reality, like make your, make your life, make your life easier, make the game simple. Like go, right, they're right, pretty right. much saying, go right. find the weakest dude that you can find and pick on them, find the weakest link. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, and tell me what you think about that. Is Has that part of your game unlocked for you yet? Um, or are you still in that mode where you're like, oh, you know, I got to kill whoever's in front of me, you know what I'm saying? I think it's a little bit of both. I feel like, like, depending on, not even depending, but I just feel like most of the time it's just like when I get out there, it's just like I got to start the game strong you know sometimes like like we had a game versus the turkish league game like two weeks ago and i didn't start the game that the best i shouldn't have started i think i gave up an old board and a bucket my coach took me out and lit me up like turns up on me and it was basically like you can never start games like that you know even though it's just a minute into the game a long game like you have to set the stuff you have to set the tone from the first from tip off to the end and that's i feel like that's something that I'm learning more about European basketball. It's just like every game you play out here matters. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, the, I think that's something that I really like too. Just about like when you're out there, every possession matters. You have to take care of the ball. Like you just, there's no room for all these extra turnovers and stuff like that. Cause it's like, I mean like back home in the NBA, you can have 20 turnovers and still win the game possibly. Like out here you have 20 turnovers and no chance you win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and so like, I say that part of the game for sure is something that I'm really trying to really starting to understand more. It's just about like being ready from <clears throat> the moment you step on the floor to the end, to you you know to take it out. Yeah, I was just watching a, a G League game a couple of days ago, and uh, it was my it was the first G League game I've watched this season, 
And every time I watch G League games, especially after I've been watching European games for a while, you forget how many plays in the G League, like, cashers don't care about, like, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm a gamble. All right, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I won't gamble on the next one. You know what I mean? And the coaches are cool, too. You know, the coaches are just letting stuff go, whereas, like, I see kind of the same, like, let's just say mental lapses or lack of effort plays in Europe. And the coach, you, you're at least getting a response from the coach, bare minimum. You know what I mean? And then, but like in the G League, it was just, and, and again, the games are longer. There's so many more possessions. Like nobody's really stressing over a broken down possession in the second quarter. You know what I mean? Whereas in Europe, it's a it's a little different. It is way different. Do you do you think that will ever bleed over into Europe? Is this kind because some of that seems to be well, one with the with the I guess. The in, the continuity between G League Europe and the NBA now between coaches, players, whatever. Do you think that will ever bleed into Europe? Uh, I think so. I think so. As more as more Americans or more NBA personnel starts getting jobs into Europe, because mm-hmm. there was a there's a GM. Fuck, I forgot his last name, but uh, the first name is Mike. He was a um, he was a GM of Varese last mm-hmm. year. And for Race, they averaged like an insane amount of points. Their pace was crazy. Like he was saying that, like, you know, they shoot just as many threes as the Golden State Warriors do. You know, at 48 minutes, they're doing that in 40 minutes. Um, yeah. And their pace was crazy and they, they were winning. And he ended up, I think he ended up getting executive of the year in Italy. And then a second division team signed him for this year. So he left. But I think that, you know, he kind of brought that American style, you know, and that American pace to his team um, in Italy. And now he's in the second division. But I think that the more, you know, NBA personnel starts to to come over to Europe and starts to get jobs, if that continues to happen, then, uh, you know, I, I could see. I can see it changing a little bit. It's, uh, Mike, Mike Arcieri, you talking about? Arcieri, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a... Uh... I do. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, go ahead. No, I, just, I do like the style of basketball that's already being played out here, though. A lot more, even just like watching and playing is such like, like even it's not as high pace, but it's still high pace, you know. And I think the atmospheres out here contribute a lot more to the game than back home as well. When you just think about comparisons, I just think like. I don't know how to expl- how to explain it. I just feel like the basketball product in Europe is a lot more enjoyable. Ooh. Yeah, it's more pure. It's like more pure. Ooh, look at y'all! Look Not at y'all like sounding it. like some partisan fans in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I mean, I feel like I feel like when you talk about like basketball being more pure, it's like there's just more elements to basketball in Europe mm. than there are like in the NBA, like. In the NBA, it's just so, like, free-flowing. Whoever's got the talent is going to, you know, come down, get into their bag. Um, Whereas, like, in Europe, the second unit, you know what I'm saying, they got to kind of execute just like the first unit did and and things of that nature. Whereas in the NBA game, that second unit get in, you're going to get popcorn and shit. Like, you know. Yeah. So Amongst the the bad to mediocre teams, for sure. I think the good teams, you still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, no, the good teams. Yeah, the good teams. I just think also, I just think also just how everybody competes, though. That's what makes it even more like, Mm -hmm. like every game is so close most of the time. Like, I just forgot who I watched the other day, but even our team, like we just like we just played Real Madrid a couple weeks ago and we went into four overtimes, mm-hmm. lost by four. Like even though we lost, that type of game is like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like highly competitive. It's just like yeah, it was high scoring, but it was high scoring and it was close. Long, know? long. That was the longest game in Euroleague history that you participated in. What was was there? Were there any adjustments throughout that game, like from overtime to overtime, or was it really just you know we're just banging our heads, see who's going to last longer, like a heavyweight type bout? It felt like a little bit of both, man. Like for example, like we, we, man, that game is so painful to think about because we should have (laughs) really won, but like we had a ten point lead, I think, in like towards the end of the third quarter. You know, Madrid goes on the run. You know, Madrid's probably the best team in Europe right now. 
Just like, mm-hmm. you know, record-wise and just what they've been doing all year, even though they got smacked last night. But, like, besides that, um, you know, they're doing really well this year. And so, like, at the time when we came and played them, like, we were we were on, like, four or five-game losing streak. Like, we were struggling. But we knew, like, our record didn't – what our record shows wasn't, like, the actual talent and, like, ability of our team. And we just went in there competing. And so, like, the whole game, like, we felt like we were going to win the whole game. And, like, when it came to making adjustments and stuff like that, like, like our coach, like, he is such a – he I don't know how to explain it, but he knows, like, he makes, like, his rotations and certain playful that he likes to play with, you know, like, like, he does a really good job of just, like, you know, like, whoever, like, he thinks, like, is the best fit for, like, who should be out there at this time. Like, those guys are out there, and those guys tend to usually be doing the things that, you know, like, are expected of them. And so, like, he'll throw, like, he'll throw me in there for, like, a short stint just because he knows that, like, they got some size and we need some rebounding and maybe some room, like, protection. Or, like, he'll throw my boy Tyreek in there, you know, just because, like, Tyreek is super physical, a little undersized for, like, the 4-5 or five spot, but, like, super physical, athletic, bruiser type of guy. So, like, he can bang with, like, Poirier and, you know, like, um, Tavares or whatever. And then I think even that game we brought Shane off the bench too. So, like, he didn't even start the game. But there was so many things that went into that game. Just like Tyreek ended up getting hurt, so then I ended up having to finish the game out. We have uh, my teammate Tibor. Like our coach is really good at like ATOs and like um, like sets. Like everything is so super detailed oriented. Like you know you talked about earlier with him playing against him or whatever and whatnot. But like super detail oriented. So like on the fly, man. Like the stuff that he draws up and it's just like okay bet like we just you know run that shit and it just works I don't know like <laughs> uh, it's so many things man but it was a crazy game but like to the, the original point though like, I just think that like the competitiveness and the atmosphere is the European basketball it just I love it it's fire Oh shit, man! They're making you a believer out there, huh? You sipping, you sipping the Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, to them checks stop hey. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so checks, yeah, wait for them checks get it's delayed. Right. It's, it's still like, new. Right, it's still bullshit. new, brother. It's still new. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> honeymoon phase. Honeymoon phase. Right. <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, to to culture. Yeah. So man, I was having a uh, I was having a conversation the other day. Uh, we did an interview with John Jenkins. He's uh, playing as, with the uh, G League Ignite. Uh, shout out to John having an amazing season. But uh, he brought up an interesting uh, change that he would make to the G League in the NBA. He was saying that the G League is the best that it's ever been because they got three two way contracts now. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that it would be even better if one of those two ways was for a veteran. So my question is for you guys, how do you think if one of the two ways was for a veteran? So like right now, a two way is only uh, you're only eligible for a two way if you've had up to four years of service in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But if they had one two way dedicated for players that have, you know, had four years or over experience in the NBA, um, how do you think that will impact the G League? Wait, okay, can I ask this? Like mm-hmm. what was his reasoning for a two-way being a vet? Like what would like what was his reasoning for uh, Because I mean, cuz if you think about it like the two ways now is usually like three young guys. So you got three three guys that are probably roughly like 19, 20 years old, but like uh as I was telling Jordan like if that third two-way was for a veteran, you could bring like a uh Austin Rivers on a on a, on a two-way. You could bring like a veteran that's overseas um, you know, on a, a Euroleague veteran on a two-way, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that the two-way isn't really competing with everybody's contract in Euroleague, but it's still enticing enough, I think, to keep some guys home, you know what I mean? So uh, in, in, in that explanation, I feel like, you know, 
because typically a guy that's 19, 20 years old, especially on a two-way contract, he's probably not at the same level of talent at that at that current moment as a veteran, you know what I'm saying, overseas or in EuroLeague or a veteran that's played six, seven, eight years in the league. So, yeah, that was kind of it. For sure. You said what? No, I definitely see what the, like what which are getting at for sure. I think that I think if that was the case, that definitely would increase the talent level as well. Just like you said, like having an older guy with more experience, like an Austin Rivers, for example, like if he was on a two way and was able to play G League games, like that'd be a highly competitive game, especially at that position with both like him and then whoever the other team's two way is at that position as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, I feel like that would. That would definitely increase, like, I'll make things a little interesting, honestly. I, I mean, I think I think it's a no-brainer. Like, anytime you can bring in – I mean, y'all know, the older you get playing basketball, it's like if you could put uh, your brain when you were 32, 33 and put it in your 25-year-old body or whatever it is, then, I mean, you'd be <laughs> – everybody would be that much better of a player. So, to me, like we just talked about, with your, a lot of the stuff in – you mentioned G League coaches kind of let stuff slide – so part of the reason they let stuff slide is because you're dealing with 18, 19, 20 year olds. Like, what can you really, what can you really say? Like, you really, you're trying to teach them. You can't just be barking at 18, 19, 20 year olds. So adding in that uh, the veteran presence only raises the maturity level. I think make it's kind of like a segue between the players and the coaches, where the coaches don't maybe don't have to yell as much. The player can almost the player, the vet can almost be the villain in a sense, but a villain that you that you fuck with, uh, it almost. Like a like a Deadpool, he's like a what you, what you call those the that what's what's Deadpool called? He's not a villain, he's not a hero, but he's a he's like an anti-hero. anti-hero. Yeah. So I think I think a, a vet in that situation could kind of serve as that segue or that middle ground, and just kind of raise the raise the maturity level and in turn raise the level of play. You know, the older you get, the the less and less you want to play with dudes who don't know what they're doing. Like that is. Like all the all the flashy stuff is cool, and you you like damn you nice, but then it's like bro, you didn't see this dude switch on to me, and you didn't shot that bullshit ass shot. Like swing the ball, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the all that stuff you learn is like let's make this easy, you know what I'm saying? So I think that can only raise the maturity level and and in turn the level of play. I agree with you guys for sure because when I was in the G, I, my team had a vet just like that. Uh, y'all know Jeremy Pargo? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> he was our vet. And he was, he was just like basically what you described. Like he was a great guy, great leadership, had so much wisdom. But like at the same time, when you know, like when things needed to be settled, like he was that more like, you know, calming and just more understanding voice that was able to more like be more like, you know, his words were more receptive to the, to us young guys, especially with just, like, his experience, understanding who he is and where, he, and where his basketball is taking him. Yeah. For sure. It's a good question, bro, for sure. Yeah, no, I think it definitely, I think it definitely helps, man. But, you know, I think the G League as a whole, man, it's, uh, it's getting a lot better. It's getting a lot better than the – than it used to be, especially, you know, from way back from what it started. Um, yeah, it is. It's coming a long way for sure. Yeah, no, nah, it's a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of talent, man. But, uh, yeah, moving into our last segment, paycheck, rain check. Somebody's paycheck is taking a rain check. And today's focus is the EuroLeague. They've been quiet for a while, but it looks like they're prepared to make this transition to uh you know a new a new naming sponsor in Emirates and along with that it's, it appears that they'll be bringing a team from Dubai into the EuroLeague either the next season or the season after so my question for y'all is what do y'all think about having a team in Dubai and getting the Middle East involved in EuroLeague what do you think that's going to do to the league what do y'all think about it let me know. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. You the guest. You go first. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, it's not only my. It's not even my first full year out here. But <laughs> in my opinion, like, I feel like adding a team from the Middle East to the Euro League wouldn't make it the Euro League anymore. Israel is not. Israel you know, is not in Europe. 
And I don't think they should be. <laughs> whoa, 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 yeah, you can't say that. Yeah, don't say that. Do not, yeah, that we go no, edit that out. No, <laughs> yeah. Not even for like any crazy, anything. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, like, not that they shouldn't be, but it's just like, I don't, I don't understand, like, you know, why, like, I thought it was just, you know, just European, like, teams. Yeah. That's no, really broad. That's, that's really my point. But, but, but I, I, real, real t- I want to clarify, yeah, that's what you just meant. It should be a European, not that Israel yeah. shouldn't be in there. We want to we wanna clarify that. that. Israel real talk. Yeah. <laughs> Israel. I'm not talking about anything, anything else other than just, like, I thought it was just yeah. European country. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Geographically Israel, speaking. Geographically speaking. Yeah. Yes, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> we don't want that smoke. Not yet. I don't know. I just don't think it would make it to the early. And I think, like, it's, like, you know, because teams out here in the early, they play in domestic leagues also. So, like, what domestic league would they even play in? And, like, if they were playing in a domestic league, how, like, you know, some teams have to travel. Like, the lower-level teams that, you know, those are domestic leagues you think about. I worry about their local players. Like, yeah. <laughs> who are their local players going to be? What you mean? Now? You don't have to. Have, right. what's, the, what's the early rules for local players? They don't have rules. No, they don't have rules, but, like, it's like, like for example, like, you're playing in, like, you, you know, like, you guys play in Euro Cup and British League. You guys have, like, some guys on your team that are from London, but, right? But in theory, for sure. But if from the so, UK, so but they, they don't, don't have, have to, to sign, play. like, 12 guys. Yeah, they don't have to play. Like, Olympiacos played a year at Euro League where they didn't play, they yeah. didn't compete in any domestic league. So in theory, oh, you can do yeah, that. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't yeah. have to have a you don't oh. have to have a, a domestic league to play in. So oh. in theory, Dubai. That that's what concerns me. Is like, I I don't know what the financial backing will be or what that looks like without a salary cap and all that. Like, in theory, they could just go get twelve fringe NBA guys like who want to live in Dubai and pay yeah. them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they could pay. They they right. gonna win. Not, but that's what I'm saying. They are gonna have to come out of pocket crazy. They are gonna have to come out of pocket crazy. I think. To get everybody to get twelve guys again, I don't know what the ownership structure looks like, but coming out of pocket crazy doesn't seem to be that big of an ask for the region. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not, definitely not. But yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like normally, you know, you also want to keep some uh, some local guys just for practice purposes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just to kind of keep some keep some bodies out there that you don't care about, you know, getting roughed up, and you just want to kind of, you know, get some five or five run. You know, that's how that's how I interpret the situation. I was just wondering about the local guys, like who would they even have? But obviously, not to compete in the games. I'm just talking about like practices and things of that nature. But maybe they don't. Maybe they're just a completely an international team. It, it, and they start stealing some Euro Cup I was, was going to say, and even, even that being said, like, their local guys, you asked about the about our team. A lot of our local guys are British guys. <laughs> you know, like, a couple of our British players are from, you know, Boston and from Brooklyn. So I, I don't think okay. it would be that hard to find. I don't know what the rules are in Dubai. Do, do they have to be UAE or can they be of how Muslim many, how descent? Many people, you know? How many How many people of... UAE descent. Well, that's that's what I'm asking, though. What? Y'all probably got some of Minnesota, that's though, because y'all ain't got no black people, so y'all got to fill it up with something. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably well, where they what, at. That's why I haven't what, found What I'm saying is, is you get the, can you get the same, I, I don't know how the UAE works, cause, so can you get the same effect that, say, Maccabi gets with the Israeli, where you have Jewish people oh, right, come right, from? Right. Can you, yeah, can you draw the Muslim, um, the Muslim lineage and, and get UAE citizenship? You know what I'm saying? Like whether you could be Lebanese or whatever it may be, you know, Jordanian. So that that's where it gets tricky for me. Again, these are I think this conversation is way above our pay grade. I think it depends on what for conversations sure. are are being had behind closed doors. But shoot, if if Dubai comes in and they decide that they want to run the Euro League, I don't see you might see LeBron over here in a couple of years with Brown. Hey, hey, do you see do you see the Middle East taking over like this? Kind of like a Euroleague, kind of like they did with golf. They just bought the WWE. I don't know That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like is this, is, is this the beginning of is this the beginning of a snowball effect in regards to the Middle East taking over sports in general? Sports like not just sports. They say China and the Middle East is up right now. I might have to get my tickets to Dubai. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, stink. <laughs> 
That's what that's what they tell. That's what the streets is saying. But <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Because what they just bought into the Wizards organization too, minority stake, right? So I think that's the first Bro. time that they've had a. I I don't know if that was Dubai or or Saudi money, but. Um, yeah, man, that's. Uh, I'm just saying, the Middle East in general, man, they got they got an endless pool of money, and you know, money moves the needle in sports and entertainment. And like, what? I just don't. Especially, I'm more interested to see what the trade stuff does in your league. I'm I'm excited for that. Like, oh, the trade. yeah, I've seen some stuff about that too, man. But I just don't think that would actually work though, just because like every team has their own is like their own independent company. You know? Yeah, and in salaries, salary, yeah. I think salary. Yeah, there's no salary cap. You have to match salaries. I think it kind of gets. Yeah, I think that's where it gets tricky. Is just the salary situation. Um, are, are players al- contractual? Are players allowed to redo their contracts? You know, like do you, that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you got somebody, if if trades are into effect tomorrow or next season, you know, what about these guys that just signed a two three year deal? Yeah. Like, how does that affect if they get traded in November of 2024? And how mad? You know what I mean? How mad are you? What are the no trade? My no trade clause was like, don't send me to, don't send me to no Belgrade. I'm not going to like, if I'm in Barcelona, I got a no trade clause to Belgrade. Like, I'm not going. You, you're not trading me from Barcelona, Shit. Barcelona to Eastern okay, Europe. Okay. All right. Here's a question: <laughs> Who, who, who in Euroleague deserves a no trade clause? Shane. For sure, uh, Mike J. You don't think so? Like from from if I put my players hat on, like yeah, mm-hmm. Mike James. If I put a GM hat on, yeah, I don't think I don't I think I would saying. give him a no trade clause. Just because, yeah. just one because how he how he moves, which again as a player, like I think he's important for Euroleague. I think that the way he stirs things up, I think it makes the Euroleague more appealable, especially for Americans. I think it makes it exciting. The way he plays, it's obviously mm-hmm. exciting. But if I'm a GM, like I'm not necessarily trying to give someone not really you don't know what's gonna happen. Like <laughs> dude, just wake mm-hmm. up one day and you know what I'm saying. So. That that's that would be my only thing, but definitely based off off his merit or his skill set for sure, no question. Yeah, I feel like Shane the only one. Tavares, Tavares. I was about to say Tavares. Tavares, thousand percent. I like Shane Tavares. Might um, Poirier might Poirier might KP punter Kevin punter. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. You think so? I think so. I think a no trade class is insane, actually. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like only a few guys can only have that. So you For so sure. you think KP, Tavares, I, Shane, and who? I think that's and, might be. Yeah, might Mike. Be. I'm saying based off based off production, impact on the team. I think them across the board, and I'm talking about across the board, across like all EuroLeague teams, mm-hmm. wherever mm-hmm. they were going, I think they could demand a no-trade clause. I think certain players, like Composite, like Madrid. when you start getting to the next tier, when you start getting to the next tier guys, like they could do it with certain teams. In their teams. situation, like Composite with Madrid. In their situation. Yeah. Right, right. I, other guys, like I think it's very like across the board. Yeah. Serge Ibaka getting one? All right, man. We off out. of merit, he not Damn. getting one. Off of merit, just off the just off the strength of, of who he is. We out. He we not out. getting one. We out. <laughs> if we Serge out. Ibaka comes to a team and says, "I want to play for y'all, but I got a no trade clause," are you turning him away? On a one year contract? No. Yeah, one year on contract a, for sure. Two year. <laughs> he said one year on. contract for sure. On a one year contract, yeah, we ain't got to trade you. <laughs> two year. Come on, man. Well, I'm just saying, man. You, so you saying no? All right. Well, yeah, I'm praying. Hell, Miritich. <laughs> oh yeah, Miritich. for sure. For sure. That body going bad though, man. Yeah, yeah. What last time he played, bro? He been out for a while. That body going bad on him, but that motherfucker a problem when he playing. You, you know, you know who problem. has a no trade clause in his situation. David Lighty. 
That was oh, a no yeah. trade clause. <laughs> D Lighty, D he gonna be he gonna be in the front office. He gonna, he gonna get his jersey retired for certain. Oh, for sure. <laughs> He need a statue. They gonna the put fuck? a statue up front. <laughs> jersey Lastro <laughs> ball. Put the statue up first. Hey, put the statue up first. Then retire my jersey. Uh, Hell, <laughs> I've been there forever, bro. He been there for some years, man. Shout out my guy D Light, man. Shout out my from the Ohio State. We don't really rate that, but. Well, listen, man, Dan, that's all we got for you, man. We appreciate you joining us. Before we go, make sure you check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts and follow along on all social media platforms, YouTube, IG, TikTok, and Twitter with the handle at Role Player Media and also on the Swiss Culture's YouTube page. I'm Jordan Taylor, Anthony Goods, and our guy, Dan Aturu. Love and good luck to you the rest of the way, brother. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. No doubt. It's been a pleasure.